Hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy, and I am the host of this daily podcast, daily in quotes. Fell off the wagon a little bit there, but we are back. And we're back with a bit of a bumper episode because I did still record stuff to put in episodes. I just didn't put episodes up. And this episode is brought to you in part by my dad, of all people, because he sent me a message earlier today. Today being Wednesday, the 2nd of May. Sent me a message saying, hey, what's up? I'm on episode 13, but it says episode 38 was up three days ago. Now, I thought it was talking about something else. We have one of those streaming services so you can watch episodes of, like, you can watch box sets of TV series. And I thought he was talking about something like that. So I eventually called him up and he said, no, I'm talking about your podcast. I'm talking about Saddest Night Out. I think he called it Saturday Night Out, but I'll forgive him that. But he said he listens to it and he's up to episode 13, so he's still got a way to go. But he thought he'd check out how far I'd gotten and he saw that the most recent episode was three days ago. And he is right. There has been yet another gap in the daily broadcasting of this podcast and... It was a weird couple of days. I went through a lot of different things over the weekend. And then I fell into a little bit of a spiral. The kind of spiral where you don't even want to get out of bed. You don't want to do anything. And what helped to shake me out of that is that I hosted another open mic night last night, Tuesday night. Getting back into that routine a little bit helped me to regain my focus. And to a certain degree, I wanted to use this episode as an opportunity, first of all, to put up all of the stuff that I had recorded but hadn't put on an episode. So this is maybe three episodes in one just to make up for lost time. But also to try and remember the manifesto behind this whole saddest night out thing in the first place. And I think that manifesto is that... I am trying to capture in real time something, whatever that something is, that's happening in London right now. And also how that something is affecting me and what I want to make happen. Because when my ideas have an audience of one, that one being me, it's very easy to do what I've just done with this, which is to put it off and put it off and let a gap grow between what you said you'd do and what you actually do. Now that I have some document of what's going on, that's to some degree outside of myself, not necessarily an audience, although I mean, at least my dad's listening, and some other people are listening, I mean, I'd like to say a quick shout-out. It feels so weird to say shout-out to, but it's become part of the normal vernacular. Hello to Sam, who's an old friend who has been listening to this podcast as well, who listened to the episode that's specifically titled You Can Skip Over This. I think that's what it's called anyway. But he listened to it, and then he sent me a message saying he sympathizes with that episode. If you haven't listened to it, it's the one where I talk about the anxieties that can go through your mind when you go to a show by yourself. And all the, the reasons you can tell yourself, no, you probably shouldn't go. And he's sent me a message saying, hey, I really related to that. I've been through something similar. I think the show he went to was Run the Jewels. He went to that by himself, which, brave show to go to alone. But he went through something similar where 
you have that doubt and in between acts it feels like an eternity and oh what do I do where do I stand who do I talk to etc etc so thank you Sam for sending that message I greatly appreciate it have I lost my train of thought yes dear listener yes I have but nope completely lost it okay so the manifesto for what this thing is it's trying to if I have this outside document of what I'm doing it's harder to leave that gap because now I went, what, three days without an episode and someone, granted it was just my dad, but someone said, hey, where have you been? In fact, I feel like one of the people that features in this episode, her name is Fiona, she sent me a message saying, are you okay? And a part of me wonders whether that might be because I said I'm doing this podcast daily and she might have also noticed it's been a couple of days since I put anything up. And I, again, thank you very much for the message, I appreciate it. And that is part of the manifesto of this thing being fulfilled now that there's some outside record of what I'm doing should I fall from the path there's some level of accountability there now it's not just me being oh I'll put it off and put it off and the months can go by without anything happening now someone is more aware of what I'm doing can call me up on it and be like hey what's going on it's been so long since etc etc I've just moved to the kitchen because I'm also attempting to cook Rice and is it burnt? Eh, it's a little burnt. But good. Okay. Dinner served. I've just made some brown, easy cook rice and a whole bunch of minced meat and some sort of tomato sauce. It remains to be seen how well it tastes. But it makes sense. Anyway. So there's that. There's my own personal development, which is to some degree being recorded with this. And then there's also anyone that I speak to. The same effect can be had on them. Because now what they're doing isn't just them doing it. It's someone else who's catching up with them and saying, hey, so what's changed since we last spoke? And I haven't had too much of that yet because I haven't really revisited any of my previous guests yet but that is that will come eventually anyway all of this is to say that don't be surprised if in the future there are more days that are missed because I have a really bad habit of getting into that downward spiral mentally that makes you lose all motivation for everything but I do appreciate if anyone does send a message saying hey I haven't heard from your podcast in a while hope everything's okay thank you very much thank you for listening if there's anyone out there who is listening so I mentioned this would be a bumper podcast. That was meant to mean I'd have a shorter introduction, but here we are. I am putting in about three episodes worth of stuff in this one episode. The first thing you'll hear is me in the cinema with my friend Felix. We went to see, what else? Avengers Infinity War. And there's something about the notion of this film and just how big it is, how big we all knew it was going to be, both in terms of what the film itself contains and the success it's going to have. We all know going into this that this is going to break all box office records, etc, etc. In fact, at the time of recording this, I think it's well on its way to making a, a billion worldwide, which must be some new record for how quickly it's got to a billion dollars in worldwide box office. But part of how it's achieved that success is this notion that it feels almost like mandatory viewing. Everyone has seen 
everyone in air quotes has seen an Avengers film of some degree, some sort of Marvel film. And if you've seen any Marvel film, then obviously you're going to see this one to see what happens next. And I was curious about how that came to be, how it came to be that these films feel like mandatory viewing, feel like something that everyone is inevitably going to see or should see. So Felix and I talk about this briefly in the cinema just before the trailer start. In fact, our conversation ends just as the screen comes to life with some sort of advert. And I say to him at the end, I'll see you after the film. And I think I had intended to record some sort of conversation after the film ended, but that never came to be. Maybe next time. So that's the first conversation. Me and Felix talking about how pop culture has led to certain things feeling like the mandatory viewing or their participation is mandatory and what things in particular have occupied that space. Then, so that was on Friday I went to see that film. On Saturday, I went to a screening of a friend's short film. I went with, the film is called Red Amber and it is by Jonathan Cross. And I went to see that film with my friend Fiona. And Fiona and I met earlier in the day. We were in a cafe talking and then we went to the film. Lost track of time, got to the screening late and happened to miss my friend's screening. So I apologize. His film was screened with, I think there were five films in total that were screened. And his was the third one. So he missed the first three but saw the last two. But apparently his film is very dark lighting-wise, as in it's mostly with a black screen. And this film, these films are projected onto a, on a, onto a wall in a room where the curtain is open. So there was a bit of natural sunlight hitting that same wall. So if your film was particularly dark, it meant a lot of it was probably hard to see with the sunlight creeping in. So in a certain respect, I might have dodged a bullet. And when I do eventually see the film, I might get a truer representation of how it's supposed to look. But either way, sorry, John, for missing the film. But congrats all the same. And the conversation I recorded at that screening was afterwards, we all went to the pub, and I got talking to Fiona, who I went to the screening with, and a friend of Jonathan's called Louise. Now, Fiona is a writer. Well, she writes. She's a writer. She's a poet. She's a writer. And... Louise works for a production company. And you'll hear the conversation. First, the conversation kind of starts with Louise talking about what her production company does, or what she does just in general, the company she works for, what they are about. But eventually, because I I said to them, do you want to be on the podcast? And they both said, yeah, sure. Kind souls that they are. But there was no real focal point for what we talk about. That focal point emerges during the conversation, and hopefully you'll hear that. So we start off with Louise kind of introducing herself because all, well, I knew Fiona previously, but myself and Fiona met Louise shortly before this conversation. And I think Fiona and Louise had just met before I hit record. But over the course of our conversation, we end up talking about the nature of sharing your creative work, both from the creator's side, that's more Fiona talking about when she's working on something, when does she feel ready to share it with other people? Do you just put it out there or do you share it with one trusted friend first? What's your relationship with whatever audience there is out there and feedback, etc., etc.? And then the conversation with Louise is based around her being a producer. A large part of her line of work involves helping other creative people bring their ideas to a finished product, 
So she is part of that early audience who sees a work in progress and helps to coax it out of the creator to help them arrive at a vision that can be achieved. And that nature of having that dialogue around someone's creative work is a sensitive one. Because you don't want you don't want to tell you don't want to snuff out that flames. Like I've been saying with this podcast. The people I talk to who create stuff, I know from experience how vulnerable you can feel when you're first trying to make something and all the other voices around you can sound like they're saying, Why are you doing this? It's not worth it, no one's going to care, etc. etc. But you have to kind of nurse that flame, keep coaxing those muscles that urge you to create to continue creating, even though it might seem like it's for nothing. So we've got the voice of someone who creates, who goes through that, and someone who helps creators, who can recognise that sensitive period and help to bring an idea from an idea to a finally realised product. And then the last two bits of music, and I'll let this count as the original music at the end of today's episode, because... With the length of this introduction, I'm dangerously close to this being an hour-long episode. But the last two parts of this are recordings from last night's open mic night. Speaking of, the open mic nights I do will soon be host to representatives from the TV show The Voice. Which means if you want to be on the show The Voice, playing at our open mic could be a chance for you to get on that show. I think the 22nd of May is when they will be at one of our open mics which is a Tuesday at the Reliance, so tell your friends. So the third recording is from two performers I had never seen before. Their names are Danielle and Doris. Danielle was on the mic and Doris was in the audience. And Danielle was singing an a cappella version of Falling by Alicia Keys. And Doris joined in. I joined in on drums as well, and I think some other people in the audience might have joined in as well. But the talent was just something else that I, I had to hit record and capture some of this. So that's the third recording. And then the final recording is a performer named Santiago. He played this song the first time he came to one of our open mics. And I think I helped to write the chorus because I th- it's a song called I'm Filth. And by the way, uh, all of my episodes are marked as explicit. And this one is lives up to that marking. So... Apologies in advance, there is some strong language said at some point, particularly in the last piece of music. I I remember, and I, my memory might be incorrect, but I'm sure he sang the song, and in the chorus, the part that's encouraged to sing along with, I made up when he first performed it at an open mic. So he just played his song, and then I joined in with that other part of my own accord. And ever since, when he performs it, that has become part of the song, and it invites audience participation, and it's always a good time. Now, you'll know when you hear it, that it's, oh, okay, it's it's a little different, it can seem a little jarring. So much so, and this made me laugh. In the middle of him performing this, right when he got to the chorus, Danielle and Doris actually walked in. And I couldn't help but laugh at the fact that their introduction to this open mic night was us singing this chorus from the stage. I don't know if they joined in with us. I don't think they did. But they did stick around and they did eventually perform, so I guess it didn't completely scare them off, thank goodness. But that it's it's a really fun song, and I never really get to record it because I often drum along and sing along from the stage, so I can't really grab my phone and film anything. So I thought 
at least I could do is maybe record the audio and include that in a podcast. So the first conversation you'll hear is me talking to Felix before Avengers starts. The second conversation is me, Fiona and Louise. The third piece of audio is Doris and Danielle performing Fallen by Alicia Keys. And the last piece of audio is Santiago Para performing his song I'm Filth with some backing vocals from me in the audience and me drumming along. Whew, this was a long intro also. I've also never listened to one of my own episodes like on a podcast or anything. I record it. I might listen to each individual piece of audio before I put the episode together, but I've never just listened to a whole episode. I will listen to this one because I didn't have time to listen back to all of the conversations I had. Well, I did have time. I just didn't. So I'll listen to them in the context of this episode. So I'll be right along with you probably thinking, oh man, this is way, way too long. I should have cut this. I should have cut that. I should have made this loud, etc. But I think in all things, we as people are naturally flawed. But as long as you have the intention to return to something positive it is whatever you do it's worthwhile so i'm definitely rambling now so i'll call it one there thanks for listening to this intro i hope you enjoy all of the stuff that i recorded you can find me online just by searching saddest night out all one word and i will i will come hello high water knock on word fingers crossed i will see you tomorrow thanks for listening take care Okay, we are inside screen 12 of View Cinema Stratford, about to watch Avengers. Felix, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you right now? Not as excited as I should be. That's not on your scale. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say a 6, a cautious 6. Of the films that have come up before Avengers, which ones have you seen that like stick out for you? Which ones do you really remember enjoying? I think the second... The second Captain America movie, Winter Soldier. Mm. I think I enjoyed that one. That one. I think it had a good, it had a good tone, and there was the personal story element. So someone in front of us got a Pepsi Max multi pack. People have How come prepared for this. <laughs> um, so yeah, Captain America, Winter Captain Soldier. America, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of most of the Iron Man movies, but I think the third one with uh, Fireman as I call him yes. um, Invincible Guy Pierce gets, yep. uh, yeah. I think that one was one of the pinnacle probably movies I just realised I think a lot happens in that film because isn't Ben Kingsley in that as well he is they do the misdirection yeah. on you spoilers. there's a lot in that oh yeah spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> not for Avengers though but spoilers are plenty for everything else Yeah. see I've got this feeling that Avengers has worked its way into pop culture where it feels like mandatory viewing yeah. and that not only do you feel like you have to see this because everyone's going to see it, yeah. but you have to see all the films that have led up to it. You do. Because yeah. everyone's seen it. Is or it... at least follow the, the articles explaining what happened in the one you missed or yeah. Yeah, or keeping your eye on Twitter, like, here's the things that you should have known before you came to the movie. Yeah, like there's going to be a million and one think pieces and articles about no, yeah. ten things you probably missed from exactly. Avengers. Yeah, it's going to be just filled with Easter eggs constantly. So. Are there any other things in pop culture that you feel are must-sees or must-dos that feel they've permeated that far, that they're almost mandatory? Yeah, I mean, it seems a bit obvious to say, but maybe Star Wars is obviously one of those, become one of those temples. And it's, it's funny because if you think about it, the originals, they were just big movies, 
and now it's like oh if you don't like Star Wars like you're not in the you're not in, in humanity do you know what I mean like, like it, it's become like Star Wars. but I don't know what happened or what changed or why that happened and it's the same thing with the Marvel movies but like it seems like a it's like a cultural I can't explain it like like hum, humans now do this it, yeah. it, it's like a thing it's because I feel at some point post 2000s being nerdy in quote marks became cool so for yeah. the longest time comic books and Star Wars were a subculture popular thing but somewhere along the way that subculture became the popular thing I think that's thing. exactly it I think it's yeah it's the it's like the if you're if you're a jock or whatever you know in the American word like that was what was cool once you know oh I like sports I like sports now it's like sports is on the down and nerd culture is on the up you know yeah you got to have a shirt with a cool logo on it and wear glasses with no you know, oh, actual lenses. <laughs> yeah, like yes. that's, that's the new uh, <laughs> the new cool. Which, you know, these things, they go in cycles. So yeah. They make sense. Thinking about it, one, there are now, because they use this app Dice to find out about gigs in London. Mm-hmm. They also advertise eSports. So, yeah. like, tournaments of, I don't even know what the games are, but you can watch people play video games mm-hmm. in real time. Yeah, so, like, League of Legends, Overwatch, uh, Dota... Counter-Strike, a lot of yeah. games like that. Games which, ironically, actually are somewhat older than a lot of the ones that actually come out now. People just stay playing the same game for like five years, ten years, yeah. because it's like a like a sport. <laughs> they don't even re-release any new content for this stuff. It's like <laughs> that dedication is yeah, there. Yeah. And also, I, I think Counter-Strike has one map. <laughs> and I think everyone just plays one map for five years of their life. <laughs> but there's like the same guns doing exactly the same things over and over again, competing to be the best. Maybe really must be like close to printing money there. All you have to do is yeah, put out yeah, one yeah. map, one set of weapons. They'll entertain themselves. No, yeah. But it's I feel like, like when it comes to games and pop culture, that's just become mandatory. You can't not mention Grand Theft Auto, mm. which I think articles came out maybe early this month that it's the biggest selling entertainment thing ever in the billions. Are there any other games that you feel are must-plays at the moment? Mm, I think at the moment it's probably the God of War um, on PlayStation. I think that one's capturing the, the zeitgeist. And it's I, I've got an interesting theory about this. I think, you know like how Scandinavia is like a popular thing right now for like uh, Hugger and all these kind of movements where it's like about getting back to not like technology but like your... Um, your roots or like something a bit more earthy mm-hmm. and I think like Scandinavia is kind of associated with that like there's all these kind of you're out in the snow or in the woods or like cabins and all this kind of stuff or family and warmth and knitted clothes and stuff it's kind of in popular culture so like the last few games that you've had have been from Sony you know, like The Last of Us where like civilization has crumbled uh, Horizon which is like post technology civilization where you've gone back to being in tribes and everyone's wearing like the kind of skulls of the things they've killed or you know things like that Whoa. and now you've got God of War which is like Norse mythology where like it's like post Greek so like you had Greek stuff where it's all about technology and enlightenment and then you go into like the post Greek thing like he's moved on and now he's in uh you know, this kind of Scandinavian back to your roots, like trying to start a family and then something comes along to throw that out of whack. Oh. So it's like, I think all of the Sony games like tapping into the zeitgeist. I think that's the hard time limit. I'll catch you after the film, Felix. Thanks, see you later. Um, no, I studied film at university with philosophy and now I work in um, a TV and radio company. Okay. Yes. We specialise in comedy though, so like those films are a bit dark. I don't deal with that. I deal with like rubber chickens and like. Okay. Stuff that's like a bit more like, like slapstick. You know, I mean, no, no, it's not all slapstick. <laughs> Just not 
that's all. Rarely is there death. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Rarely is there death in our world. It tends to be more like, haha, that was a funny joke. I think we have a different life comedy. So I'm like, I want, oh, so you, I want some death. Death is what. Death is what. To be fair, like that, the last couple of short films did leave a bit of a, a sour note. Like, oh, the whole world ending. I was like, damn. Thanks for coming, everyone. I was like, oh. I know, but I, I felt some humour in like maybe I shouldn't talk you about might, it. Yeah, so. but, 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 no, this is interesting. Yeah. And this is an interesting topic. What was the humour you felt? So, like for the listeners, the the last film in particular that we just saw yeah. was the world ends and we are on a space station yeah. with like a handful of astronauts who can't yeah. do anything except watch the yeah. world end. Fiona, yeah. you're saying you found some humour in that. Yeah, I think. Can you elaborate? How are you going to respond to that? Like you had laughter, you had tears, you had a prayer, and then someone took the piss out of someone praying and then was suddenly like oh I'm praying with you now for you now I just found it like to get the world is ending in say a 45 second shot and to show like six different reactions to that they did it so quick that I couldn't help my reaction was to laugh because so it wasn't the content itself that was like you weren't like half the world ending no well no it was their re- response to it okay. and how they chose to pan that camera on the faces and also yeah. some of the dialogue used. and there was a guy that actually laughed like the, the guy started Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, so, <laughs> well, I can laugh at him. <laughs> you couldn't. And, that, and, I, and I understood why he was laughing because it's like, well, what else is there to do? I guess it's like the, the absurdity of the whole thing. It's yeah. like if you don't laugh and cry, yeah. so you might as well laugh. That's yeah. literally what I thought he would say when he started laughing. Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. So, you didn't, you, did you come away with it feeling kind of down, or did you come away feeling like, ah, oh, that's kind of a funny film? No, down. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I just I had this because when you think about the entire context like you can't help but have you ever seen the film Melancholy yeah so that ends with that deals with spoilers it deals with like obviously the end of the world and at the end the end shot you see it just collide with Earth well it's not Earth is it actually it's like Earth is the thing that's colliding with anyway um, but that is such a weird sensation like it's like gives you this like such a sense of like profoundness but like complete emptiness at the same time it's such a weird I think that's something that's like a really specific feeling when you can feel so profound like you can feel like so much like meaning but also just so empty like to be able to create that contradiction is really rare I think they did it very well like when you see like the world end you're like Oh man, and you they have that like feeling well like, melancholy. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. 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 and you yeah. just you you never experience a sensation like that. It's so rare, and I think it, the end of the world thing always makes me feel like that. Yeah. I feel like so full of meaning, but just so empty as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm trying to think of other films I've seen that involve the end of the world. Um, 2012. That's not quite as meaningful. That, yeah, that seems more like the spectacle of like, oh man, everything's blown up. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. Oh my god, lava! Yeah. Whoa, like, crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's more like that kind There's of. Another one with Seth Rogen. And, oh, uh, this is the this is the end. This is the end. Oh, that's a good film. Uh, that was very yeah. funny. Yeah. So, is that set in someone's garage? They're in uh, James Franco's house. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, both, all those three films are all different genres, and they all deal with the same subject. Yeah. And then the the feeling you get from all of them is so different. Which I just yeah. that just shows the power genre has over an audience's reaction. Yeah. yeah. So 
So Fiona and I missed the other films that were shown okay, today. Could okay. you give us like a synopsis of the other oh, films God. that were shown? Well, okay, so the first film I couldn't see because I had to have my glasses on. Oh. So I came in just before the screening started because I was late because, oh, so basically what happened is I was on time and then I went to the wrong studio and so I had to go back and then um, my phone died so I didn't know where the studio was. So I missed, quite, I saw the first film but I, I, would, I would hate to tell you what I thought it was about because I won't do it justice because I really didn't like, understand it because I couldn't see what was going on. Um, but it was very good I, that I got from my blurry eyes. Um, so I don't know what that was about but it was called Still Life so check it out because it would be awful for me to not be able to advertise it if I because, because I missed it. Oh yeah, you got the leaflet for what it was. Oh yeah, what's it say? Waiting for his target alone, a hardened criminal struggles to come to terms with what he's about to commit. So it's someone about oh, yes. to commit a crime. Yes, that's right. There's a woman at the end. She's dying. I think. I, yeah, I think he's. I think he's killing a woman. Okay. But it, the thing that was really interesting about it is there was no dialogue. It was like silent. Everything was through sound. Oh. And that so was you really, really needed your eyes. Yeah. yeah. And she's not going to say. So that was really really interesting. Actually. Okay. What about the second film? The second film was. Um, oh, it's like a. Well, it was a documentary, but it was kind of. It felt like a document, like it was trying to like give that kind of feel of documentary. And it was about a woman in Egypt, and it was based on her grandmother, I think it was, who suffers from dementia. And it was, I think, it was coming to terms with like what it's like to feel very isolated with that kind of that disease, really, because it can be. I can imagine it can be quite a lonely one. And um, and also then she dies, and then it's kind of like the reaction based on that, and it's kind of looking back at the memory of this person you had before they, I guess suffer from dementia I suppose yeah. but what was really interesting about it it was it, it was um, I felt like it was a documentary but I don't think it was but the way they shot it was as if it, you were watching a documentary which I guess makes it more personal because yeah, it feels very real and they'd also use animation as well yeah which was again which was a bit of an interesting stylistically it was very very different from the others which I think made it interesting I'm heading off oh I'm Roy. Roy, I'm Cleve. Nice to meet you, Cleve. Nice to meet you. Right. Well, I've got to go, Roy. Nice to meet you. talking to you, man. <laughs> Fiona, lovely to meet Fiona. I have to go now, Fiona. <laughs> Shake, Shake. 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 Absolutely. Right, I'll see you all later. Okay, and what about Red Amber? How would you describe oh, well, that? Though? Red Amber. It knocked out the park, it's Red Amber. Of course, of course. Um, it was well. It was about a woman dealing with the death of her father, but like through like a through her subconscious, really like through a dream. Um, and it was really good. It was it was very. What I found very interesting about Red Amber was that you don't know that it, it you don't know that it's like a dream until like right at the end. But it doesn't it doesn't deal with the trope of like oh and then she woke up and it was all a dream. Yeah. Like it's nothing. It it still works. It's like it's. You know that it's happened. It's not like that kind of corny ending where it's like the writer popped out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was 
saying? Oh. No, no, it's a dream till the end. It's not, it doesn't fall into the trope of, and then I woke yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, it was still dealing with the idea of grief, and that's a really tricky subject to tackle. And I think Johnny did it very well, because, you know, that's, it's so personal to different people. And, uh, the, I mean, the acting was phenomenal. And I don't believe that that could have been done without the direction of him. So, yeah, it was a really interesting, really interesting way of dealing with grief that is... It's rare. I don't think many films deal with grief as like a dream sequence. I don't think you see that very often. I don't know. But from films I've seen, I think that is quite a rare thing. People tend to like try and make it like in your face, whereas yeah. it wasn't. It was quite subtle. And that was that was an interesting way of looking at it. And so, that's how Louise sees it. <laughs> on my... this episode of <laughs> yeah, no, What no, Louise no. Says. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we all came, well, at least I came and I brought Fiona with me to kind of support a friend who had yeah. made something. Yeah, yeah. Now, Fiona, you are known to write yeah. in, your, in your spare time. How do you feel about sharing what you've made with other people? Do you like to just put it out there? Or do you have a trusted friend that you share it with? Um, it depends what it is. Uh, if it's some, I think I'm less precious nowadays with the writing that I have. But I wouldn't have maybe a year ago. I wouldn't have shown anyone anything. Um, but now I'm just like, why not? <laughs> Was there a turning point for you? <laughs> um, I guess taking myself less seriously and just having this moment of it's okay like the world is not going to end <laughs> um, it's, it's a really good release as well because it's you it can be quite isolating to write um, so I started doing it to I guess one make me do it every day which is something I would I wanted to do for a long time because and I say that is because when I do it it feels sensational um, it's like feeling yeah I can't describe um <laughs> so you've got to a point where when you're making something it's so enjoyable for you personally yeah, yeah. that other people's like, reactions to it is kind of secondary yeah. as long as you've been satisfied as long as I'm, and I'm that's not to say I love my work and I love everything but I love the process of doing it um, and honestly I've got like up until this year I just had notepads just full of writing and I'm like well am I going to do this or am I going to do what other people might do and release it and see what happens do but it do it release it's, it's now it's interesting no, because we have here it, yeah. people on each side of the fence we've got you Fiona who is a writer who makes things yeah. and puts them out there yeah. and then there's you Louise who is on the other writing. side where <laughs> you tend to look at what other people have made yeah. Yeah, and yeah. try to help to get them towards a viable end product yeah. so to I like to see creative people and then like okay but how can we make this realistic like yeah. how, how can we actually make this work like how, how would this work in a budget how would this work realistically like on screen like does yeah. this, this story actually because uh, sometimes I think it's useful to like not be a writer and read stuff because you're like an average audience member like I'm an average audience member and if I read it and I'm like that doesn't work it probably 
wouldn't work for like an average person either. Do you know every average Joe needs an average hero, <laughs> and that's me. <laughs> no, that's really great to hear because often average here Joe. I just thought the pub. <laughs> Carry on. Because um, often I think, okay, I'm putting it out on places like Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. And, oh, I mean, and well, now Tumblr as well. Yeah. Where yeah. It's more. I guess where your crowd lies because you can I don't know I don't know if there's any real way of understanding how hashtags work but there is that's the one that leads you to people who are genuinely interested in what you're writing about because I could show people who know me and who like who love me like friends or whatever who will like anything or just like oh yeah it's alright I don't quite get it but but we need people like I need an audience like you because when there's an interest there and that's not to say I need you to love my things I need just a critical eye um, on something that I've written because otherwise I've got someone loving it because they love me that's a really interesting point though about social media like in general but also with film is that it's so easy to filter like what you see and also yeah. like ha- and I don't even mean in like a hashtag no filter way I just mean like, like all the people I follow on Twitter for example politically very similar to me so, you know and so I never I'm, I'm, it's like an echo chamber it's really interesting that you pick that up with like the idea of film like when you put it out on social media the people seeing it will probably be of a similar demographic to you because it's so easy to filter that and so it's actually that's why it's so important to do these screenings because you get more people than you might normally yeah. get yeah. so you have to be brave to be able to actually see what the reaction is this is interesting as well as I think about this often um, I don't want everyone to read it and love it like I want different opinions well, I want to actually think yeah yeah but also not even like people that are just like oh yeah, it's yeah. not my thing I prefer this which is great because then I will learn something new about a different um, I don't know style or yeah and that's how you grow as a I imagine that's yeah. how you grow as a writer and an yeah. artist in general very yeah it was totally specific about writing but I, I think that's one thing that made me less precious about it as well just being like well actually do I want like, I don't want to be the only person to read this for one yeah. <laughs> I do want someone to read it and maybe for it to speak to them in some way yeah. but also to, to have that critic, critique so then I can continue to grow like in the past I've done it where I've been critiqued I used to do some performance in Manchester and I would get be critiqued and I wouldn't want to do it and I, I didn't do it for so long and I think that is, is dangerous because then it sucks everything out it sucks the creativity whereas if you develop this relationship of well, yeah, like, I'm not going to please everyone <laughs> in any. You feel like when you are someone that creates stuff, you have to somewhere along the line develop the muscle of, like, not everyone's going to like it. That doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. I should still share. But as someone who doesn't, like you yourself say, you don't really create, but you are more likely to critique, how do you learn? No, it's not. No, it's not. Exactly, critique shouldn't be a dirty word. But how do you learn to not 
and that's critique in a dirty way. How do you learn to recognize what the person's trying to bring across and look at it that way instead of just being like, I don't like it or I do like it? How do you find that voice? I think I think kind of you touched on the idea of like, I don't like it, so therefore it's not good. Like, you have to really understand that your opinion isn't the only opinion in the world. Um, and that's really, really important. And also, I think one thing is actually like respecting the artist. So ask them questions. Like, and if they're not prepared to answer them, that's their, that then becomes their problem. But like, if they've like, you know, if they send you something and then you don't quite get it, ask them. Like, I don't understand like the message here, or like I don't because it might just be that you're missing it. And then if they explain it to you, like, oh, okay, well that wasn't that clear, like or something like that. I think it's it's making it's understanding your opinion isn't the only one in the world. And it's also asking the artist or the person that created it. Because really, when it comes down to it, you should always trust the person that made the content because they can answer your questions. And if they can't answer it, you've given them something to think about. Yeah, exactly. And as well, you might interpret... That's what art is, isn't it? Is you, as an audience member, interpreting it yeah. with your own mind. Yeah. So actually, if you... Because you might hear what the artist says and you're not like, well, I, I actually don't agree with that. This is how I felt. Yeah. If they battle that, then that is their problem. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's not... Like, you just asked me how I felt. I just told you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is perfect. Thanks a lot for that, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, boy. <laughs>